This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, we are so back. And so is Marshall King. After a year off, he's landed with the Las Vegas Desert Dogs. We'll talk about what new face will have the biggest impact on their new team and discuss where Reese Dutch may land. All that more on the return of the OCTV podcast. My name is Teddy Jenner, and boy, have we got an absolute beauty for you tonight. And with under a minute left, we've got a transition play. Reese, get behind. Scores! Nick Reese gives Buffalo the edge with under a minute to play. File this under things you love to see. everybody welcome back to another edition another season another year another episode of the off the crossbar podcast here on the lacrosse flash podcast network he is pat gregoire you can find him on twitter at Pete greggy uh, my name is teddy jenner you can find me on twitter at teddy jenner the show at otcb underscore podcast uh, or you can check us out on instagram at OTCB Podcast. Uh, Patty, you're sporting the red and white of Canada. Huge game as you re-record this on Wednesday the 23rd. Canada-Belgium at the World Cup. First time since 86. Were you born? Nope. No, That's I was not crazy. born. I'm I'm in 91. So That is just even crazier. You were born in the 90s, but... Yeah, it's um, it, it, it's crazy. It is crazy to see how far this nation, how far this team has come. Um, I mean, it seems like it was just, you know, not too long ago. Coach Herdman was saying, like, this team can make it to Qatar. And kind of people mm-hmm. were like, yeah, no chance. Like, <laughs> you guys are getting better, but no way. And here we are. Not only is Canada at the World Cup, uh, but they come in as the highest seed from CONCACAF. Mm-hmm. But this is a lacrosse podcast, so I won't go too hard on a tangent here, but Canada was absolutely rinsed in their group. When you look at what Mexico and what the U.S. have, uh, yeah. you know, obviously some some better teams like U.S. has to has to face uh, England, you know, England. Yeah. Difficult group there. But I mean, when you look at Canada's group, Belgium, number two in the world, Croatia, 
uh, you know, making it all the way to the final four, just uh, the last well, they were in the finals Cup. against France. Finals, yeah, sorry, finals yeah. against France. Like tough sledding, but why not us, right? Why not us? Look at all why the crazy not? upsets: Saudi beating Argentina. Yeah, that was nuts. Japan beating Germany. This is why the World Cup is awesome, man, mm-hmm. because you do see these crazy upsets. Yeah, and and it's just going to get crazier and crazier. And then all, you throw on top of that all the political agendas and all that crap that's out there um, that makes the World Cup one of the greatest sporting events in the world. But it will be a good day for Canada and a good next couple, five weeks, hopefully, for the red and white. Um, did you get affected by any of that snow out east? Like, did you guys get absolutely dumped on in Ontario? No, believe it or not, we didn't. And this is the unique thing about Buffalo with the South Towns. And like there'll be times where you could be in a different spot in Western New York or in Buffalo and you won't even get any snow. But where where it's located in Orchard Park, um, they got just absolutely dumped on where a majority of the players live. But then if you go to like North Buffalo or even like East uh, Amherst, that Mm -hmm. area there, they barely got any snow. And it's like, you know, maybe a 20 minute drive. Like it is absolutely nuts. So needless to say, Ontario, we got a little bit of snow, but nothing like what Buffalo got. Absolutely nothing. It was crazy to see. Yeah, that that lake effect snow is just a wild thing. Like when I lived in Rochester, I lived in Hudson, Ohio. Um, when you get that lake effect snow, it is something else because uh, it just comes out of nowhere. And you can, when I was at Mercy's, we could literally watch the storms come across the yeah. water and just dump us with two and a half, three feet of snow. So uh, hopefully everybody in Buffalo is safe and that snow is melting. Uh, the Bills play tomorrow on uh, Thanksgiving Thursday. I know you're excited about that. Your team is eh floundering a bit can i say that pat are they floundering floundering but i think they took a positive step forward with the 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 game last week you know giving up a home game um you know they looked at some points that they were going to run away with the game but allowed the browns to to get back into things but it looks like they're getting healthier on defense josh allen didn't throw a pick last week um, which is which is definitely a positive Again, teams go through up and downs, which we'll probably talk about uh, with the NLL because Mm -hmm. it is the start of the season. And that's one thing that a lot of these teams, it's like you got to come hot out the gate. The Bills come out hot the gate. Now they've hit a rough patch. I think I would rather hit the rough patch in the middle of the season rather than heading into the playoffs. So if they can turn things around here, um, I'm not going to be hitting the panic button. But it does look like they are kind of hitting a midseason lull and there are some red flags that Bills fans should be concerned with. Um, all right, let, let's get into the actual lacrosse of things. It has been a few months since we have chatted since the National Lacrosse League draft in September at the historic Carlew Theater. Uh, and since then, teams have shuffled their rosters, they've opened up camp, and we've seen some interesting moves. We've seen some cuts. We've seen a couple more trades. What stood out for you over the first three weeks of NLL training camps? Well, before we kind of get into the cuts, but what stood out to me, the one takeaway that I had was from a social media standpoint, uh, I love seeing that a lot of the teams have their social media staff and their Mm -hmm. video staff cutting up highlights 
um, getting interviews with players besides just your typical like media day stuff. Like yeah. it was really cool to see that. Like I unfortunately just with how busy I was with work being at the gray cup, hadn't had an opportunity to get to the track or Brampton for any games yet, but I feel like I have a pretty good pulse on what's going on on camp because these social media teams are doing such a great job. Uh, as Tyson Geik uh, coined it, uh, Media Day 2.0 mm-hmm. uh, for TSN, that went really well as well. We got a lot of great content from from there. I know there's going to be some great video features throughout the year that we'll see from that. And it is great to see, finally, not just one or two teams or not just the league a little bit. We're seeing a buy-in of social media and video yeah. content yeah. from everyone and it's so important, not just, you know, to, to grow fans, but also to keep your fans that normally in other sports, like for the NFL, for example, the Bills go to St. John's Fishers for their training camp. Fans from Western New York can drive and go and see it. Yeah, Not everyone has the luxury of being close to the track, which, again, I think you're going to get to <laughs> in a little bit. But not everyone has the luck. Like someone from Fort Worth can't just hop on a bird. I mean, they can, but why would they hop on a bird and go watch an exhibition game in Brampton, right? So this allows some of their fans to be a little more engaged, see what's going on, find out a little bit more about their new players. That was my biggest takeaway besides some of these cuts and and player movement onto the pop or to the holdout list. So that was my biggest takeaway at least. Yeah, I, I think my biggest takeaway is just as always how great a shape these guys are coming into each and every year and how much better the competition is each and every year because, you know, there's no there's no more coming into camp to get into shape. If you're not in shape by the moment you get to camp, you are already three steps behind the ball and you have lessened your chances greatly. Uh, by doing that. I've talked to a few GMs just asking, you know, how some of the guys that I've coached are doing. And there were a couple comments from some coaches said, Hey, he came into good shape, but he wasn't in the shape we wanted him to. And I think what that means is you can't just go to the gym and work out and do the same old routine. You got to be doing, you know, um, systemic reps. You got to be doing like sparring rounds, you got to be doing like boxing workouts, you got to be doing plyos, you got to be all all these types of conditioning and agility drills. You can't just go and throw weight around the gym and come in jack. You have to be quick, agile, in shape, um, and ready to go. Because when you only have three weeks, three, four weeks of camp, um, what's that, like eight practices, you don't have time to catch up. And I think that's really one of the things that I've noticed this year is just the amount of talent that is at peak shape and coming in ready to roll right off the hop. So it's been a great start to camp. There's one week left of NLL training camps. It goes this weekend. Hopefully most of those teams will be in market so fans can get out and see their favorite players play. Um, I wanted to touch on the loss of Steph LeBlanc, Jordan Hall, Joel White from Georgia. But then I remembered in one of the email transactions from the league that there was a clarification at some point. And so I went back and in the press release that came out on the 21st, way down at the bottom, it says clarification. Players Joel White, Jordan Hall, and Steph LeBlanc are unrestricted free agents 
and are not on the Georgia Swarm retired list. So while I think a couple of those guys might be hanging it up, it does leave the option for maybe a team or two to reach out to those guys. And I don't know if Steph LeBlanc is truly done. Sure, living in Halifax might be kind of hard to get him to places, but that might be someone that's out there. Jordan Hall living out on the East Coast. He's probably not as interested in playing anymore. He's kind of past his prime. No offense, Halsey. Uh, but I think he's kind of seeing himself on the way out. Joel White could still play in this league. I'm not sure what he's doing business-wise Monday to Friday that might keep him away from the NLL, but he could definitely still be serviceable in this league. So I thought it was kind of interesting that the NLL had to make that clarification that these guys aren't technically officially retired and on the Georgia retirement list, but are UFAs. And I don't know, maybe if that was a, you know, handshake agreement with, with Georgia and some of these players to, to say, you know, we are done, but if there is an opportunity to play, mm-hmm. maybe not this year, maybe next year, that then allows them to go out and talk to other teams. Maybe they just knew they weren't going to be able to make the travel for, for Georgia and yeah. just assumed like, okay, this is it. But uh, very interesting. I did notice that too. And I didn't know if that was just a logistical type of thing or right, if, right. if that's what we were dealing with. Um, so obviously we can't go through every transaction that's happened over the past three weeks, but go to NLL.com slash news slash transactions. And you can see everything that's been going on. Um, I'm going to stick with Georgia. Uh, Jeff Henrik on the pup list is a little concerning. Uh, because we still have yet to see him really reach his potential. Um, that's a huge loss for Georgia when you think of the other bodies that they may have lost. And Miles Thompson is on the IR to start the season. So Georgia is in a bit of a hole, um, but they do have some great young talent. But that it kind of seems to me that Georgia is taking the biggest hit with players not going to be on that roster. Um, Warriors place in Tyrell Hamer Jackson on the IR that is a huge loss for them if he's not 100% healthy. So there are some interesting moves. Uh, Any others that stand out for you? Well, this was a little bit ago, but again, you and I haven't had an opportunity to hop on the pod here, but seeing that Sean Evans is on the pop to start camp, I don't know if this is just a a savvy, wily vet saying I'm still dealing with some Injuries that he was dealing with after the the man cup that kept him out for, for game seven, we knew he was banged up, but he was pretty confident. uh, I believe on the podcast with, uh, with Jake and Tino and Evan saying that, you know, his ankles pretty banged up, but he thought he was going to be good for, for opening day. Mm -hmm. Now hearing uh, from camp in Vancouver that it's likely he won't be ready for game one. Um, Again, not a huge, huge concern, but he's the type of guy that you would love to have in your opening day lineup, Um, you know, have that veteran leadership, have that veteran presence. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it sounds like he's been at some of these camps. It sounds like he's been around, at least with the guys. He was at media day. So his face is is there. His presence is there. But again, uh, I was hoping to see what he could do in game one. But again, it's just the pop. We know what he's injured with. We know it's not long-term. So we will see Evans make his debut in Vancouver. We're just going to have to wait a little bit longer. 
Yeah, exactly. And he won't be in that game. Uh, you would have thought with that game being in Hamilton that it might be a game that he played in. Right, he exactly. have many Eastern chances to play in front of families and friends. But we'll see when he is taken off that list. I know you're going to talk about someone else on the pup list when we get to thumbs up, thumbs down. But uh, this just coming across the wire uh, with the NLL. Austin Stotts officially suspended, added to the suspended list for the Seals after an incident at the end of the Western Conference Finals against Colorado. Uh, he was given a match penalty, which goes along with a gross penalty, gross match penalty, uh, which comes with a one game minimum one game suspension, especially since it was his last game of the year. He'll probably get another suspension. He's also been suspended before. So we don't know the true length of this suspension, but for a team that is super stacked on the right side, they can't afford to be losing bodies on the left side. No, they certainly can't. And this is not even, uh, this is just not a way that you want to start um, your season. You want to be ready to go. You want to be hitting the ground running, especially with so many new faces in that lineup. And obviously he's able to partake um, in training camp. Uh, I know some people were kind of wondering, okay, how was he able to play? Well, I mean, even look at the NFL, Deshaun Watson was able to partake in preseason. It's just different leagues, different rules. So kind of forgot that he was assessed that match when this came out. Uh, You know, a lot of people were were thinking, oh, well, there was that altercation up in Aquasazne where there was a fight. It was a really chippy game. There was some stuff going on in the handshake after. Um, I do know he was uh, assessed a five-minute penalty um, for a major, I believe it was a high stick on yeah. Withers. So people were thinking maybe it was that, but then we go back and, and remember there was that match penalty from the playoff game. So not the way San Diego wanted to start their season, not the way that, you know, Austin Stotts wanted to start his season either. Um, again, they have so much offense and firepower. I think they're going to be fine. Again, um, not the way you want to start the season by any stretch of the imagination. No. Um, but maybe the biggest name released this week from the Halifax Thunderbirds, Reese Dutch, the near 1,000 point man, a possible future Hall of Famer, has two titles to his name and coming off a couple really tough injuries over the last few years. But knowing Dutchy, he wanted to be back this year. He wanted to make sure that he was healthy after, you know, being a late addition to game one with Halifax and then blowing out his knee in game two and now working all the way back to get to this point. It was kind of surprising, maybe a little surprising that he was released, but with the amount of talent they have on that right side and with Dutch being a full coast to coast fly in, it actually kind of makes sense that they're not going to use him, but it will be very interesting to see if and where he lands. Yeah, I think it's more of a where than an if, if it's up to him and if it works logistically for these teams, if they want to fly him in. And as Halifax proved last year, they didn't care. Unfortunately, he blew out his knee. And, you know, for the first time before that, he was as a healthy scratch. So obviously, Mm -hmm. first time in his career, which is crazy to think, but, you know, you've got Peterson, you've got Bushy. You've got the newly acquired Randy Stotts, and then you also have Austin Shanks, who's starting the year on the holdout list. Uh, but from what I've been told, 
might happen a few times this year with his new job with the city of Toronto on their firefighting staff. So that's not a long-term thing. That's probably likely for game one and he'll be back again. So that's four righties right there that he was going to have to jump as well. And that's also if, you know, do they want to go with four righties? We saw them a couple times last year, go five righties. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. You look at the left side, with Cody Jamison, Ryan Banesh, and Eric Fennell, let's just say those three, their top three lefties, with Dawson Thede, who, again, is on the pup. So he won't start the year, it sounds like. But those three guys, Banesh, Jamison, getting a little bit longer in the tooth. Eric Fennell, the, the way he plays, crashes, plays a heavy game. I don't know if you want to roll just three lefties with those guys. No, I, I really I don't. And it's let's say you throw Johnny Pearson in the mix. Now you have four lefties who can kind of share the floor. You have two finesse guys. You have two crashing bangers. Are you going to dress four righties and go eight forwards? Probably not. So, mm-hmm. is is that Bow Hunter then? Is that Wake right? Uh, yeah, factor so, in there. So he would possibly factor in there if he was to go in, um, you know, above Pearson. Mm-hmm. Basically, what I'm saying here is you have you have a numbers game that you have to deal with with your if you're Halifax, and I think the big numbers is you want to roll more than three lefties. Oh, 100 percent. Just the guys that you have. So with that murderer's row of of righty defenders that's out east. You don't want those guys just taking a pounding night in and night out, especially early on. No, and so I think it came to a point where they said, you know, there's not going to be many nights where. Dutch is going to be our three or our four righty mm-hmm. uh, or be looking more like a four or a five. So to me, it's just, I think this is also doing a veteran good and saying, we don't see you as a regular here. Unfortunately, just with the bodies that we have, go out and see if you can find somewhere else to play. Yes. And I and think I, that's I think, more of it. So if you would, if, it would make sense, logically, even though we probably said this before he landed in Halifax, that Dutchy would land with a Western team. Right. So let's kind of go through those Western teams. Calgary's got Tyler Pace, Hayden Dixon, Brett Hickey, Kyle Waters, all on that righty side. Maybe, but they're kind of set right now. Colorado's got Ryan Lee, who's on the IR, Zed Williams, Tyson Gibson, uh, they just picked up uh, Clark Walter. No. Uh, who'd they pick up from Sask? Um, why can't I think of it right now, Patrick? This is why I need you. This is why I need you, Pat. Austin Murphy. And they just picked right. up Austin Murphy. Yes. Um, so he could go there in if, you know, if, if Murphy's not going to work out, if Jake Foster's not going to work out, um, Dutch could go there and be a fill-in until Lee gets back. I don't hate that. That's not a bad thing. So, you know, you look at Saskatchewan, is that a spot for him? Yeah. I certainly think so. Their uh, right side is crowded, I would say, but it doesn't have a guy like Dutch. They got a yeah, lot of th- Their game. right side is Church, Courier, Lintner, Austin Murphy. No, he's gone. Um, Austin Madronic. And Mike Mallory and Tristan. Well, we Ryan. saw so, we saw Mallory playing a little more of a transition role. Mm-hmm. We know Madrona can play wherever you put him. Yeah. So not a terrible spot. I honestly 
believe that his best spot is Vegas if Jack Hanna doesn't turn out. Because then, then you'll have Hellier, Rooster, Marshall King, who's our guest this week, coming up in a little bit, and Dutch. I don't hate that right side. I don't hate it whatsoever. I right? actually if, like it. If, I if think Jack that's a great Hanna right doesn't pan out, which we don't know, then you're kind of in that spot where you only have three right-handers and you're going to need an extra body. And so that could be a spot where and maybe the best spot for Reese Dutch to land other than like, he's not going to San Diego. Like that's just never going to happen. And then there's Vancouver. If Evie's depending on how long Evans is out, you know, if Chase Scanlon's not going to work out, but you've got Dinsdale killing Keegan Ball. So does someone in Vancouver swallow their pride and ask Reese Dutch to come back until Evans is ready or just see how he fits in? Or does he end up in Vegas? That is the question of the day, Patrick. It is the question of the day, and we'll continue. And I know we don't want to belabor it too longer, but what about a team that everyone seems to be sleeping on? In Calgary, like why not Calgary? I know they're looking yeah. to add some scoring on that right side. Yes, they have Dixon. Yes, they have Waters, Pace, Pace, Hickey. and Hickey. Now, so this is Hickey's first year, so he may not work out. That's what I mean. Like, can you maybe, maybe, maybe this is a a a spot where Dutch doesn't land anywhere week one, week two, yeah, and, and that's kind of how sits, I feel. He sits on the shelf for a couple of weeks and they, yeah. okay, let's see what, let's, let's see what works out here. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I know Calgary, uh, they're very, like, you talk to Calgary and they're very fine with that right side. But if Hickey doesn't fit in, or if, you know, Dixon's really taking a long time to kind of find his spot or Waters really isn't producing again, just to bring hit, bring in another guy. Um, Cause clearly like he had no problem doing that in Halifax. Mm-hmm. Like he knew came coming into Halifax being like, you're on the outside looking at, or, uh, you know, or, go ahead and, and make it a hard decision for us to keep you out of the line. Unfortunately for him, his season was cut short with that injury, mm-hmm. but he worked his way back into that lineup. And I think he's open to, to doing that at this point in his career. Yeah. I, I think honestly, outside of San Diego, he really could land anywhere in the West. And I think every team in the West would be happy to have a two-time champ, a possible Hall of Famer, a guy that almost has a thousand points in his career. Like, I don't know why you wouldn't want a guy like that. I understand he's got a bit of a high price tag at times. Uh, Yes, he's getting a little older and he's starting to run into injury problems uh, every time he gets out there. But if you could add that in just to see what he can do for you for a few weeks, why wouldn't you? Okay. Oh, I know we said we weren't going to here, isn't it? What about <laughs> the Buffalo Bandits? Oh, come on. <laughs> what about, hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Dane oh, Smith. Yeah. Obviously we know he was holding out for a bit. He signed. He's ready yeah. to go. Kyle Buchanan. You know what you're going to add a Bucky. Mm-hmm. He's going to be ready to go. He's going to be your glue guy. He's going to grab you loose balls. He's going to put the ball in the net. Chase Fraser, it sounds like he is not going to be ready for the start of the season. At least that's what I'm hearing. Um, 
I don't even know if, if he's under contract as well. So there's three righties there. Two that we know are going to start for sure. I don't believe Frazier is going to be there for opening day. At least that's what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. Then it leaves Sam LaRue and Nathaniel Koznev. How do you pronounce that? Kazevnikov. There you go. Yeah. You call him Cause out west. Cause, exactly. I knew that's what you guys call You're him. forgetting someone, though. Who's that? Dahoga. Okay. Right. Sorry. Dahoga as well. So you have, So that's three. Yeah. You're, you're telling me Dutch can't beat out two rookies? Like, of course he can't. Is that right side not significantly better if you have TN1, Smith, Bucky, and Dutchie? Like that's yeah, yeah. And then you sprinkle in Cause and LaRue or whoever you whoever mm. wins that final fifth spot. Like, I don't know. I just again I'm just throwing things out there, just, yeah. just, just for arguments. Spit, see where spit, they land. I get it. I get it. I get it. Is that not an option? I you know, I think it's gotta be an option. Unless they want to just roll three righties and run those three guys into the ground, which I mean totally makes sense because Dane Smith. If you asked him, he would love to be out there every single shift. Yeah. So, again, just a thought. Yeah, just, just percolating in the brain. I don't hate it. You know, I, I guess we could probably say there are a few teams out there that could use his services. Like, look at the Toronto Rock right now. Who's their fourth righty? Josh Dowick? What if he's not? Okay, he's probably going to be there, but what if he's not quite ready? Yeah, I mean, again, like, they're a team that – They'll have Schreiber, they'll have Dawson, they'll have Keo, and then you're forgetting Challen Rogers is going up the ocean. Oh, right. Never mind. He's not going to Toronto. Yeah. So Josh Alwick likely will be on the practice roster where he's going to be the, the fifth righty and will be a healthy scratch and yeah. come into games whenever, you know, whenever he is. Right. It sounds like down so, at the front door. Yes. He yes. That changes very, everything. Very, very worried. So uh, what are your thoughts? Where do you all think Reese Dutch will land? Do you want him? to come join your team. I'd want him on my team. But let's see. Uh, thumbs up, thumbs down, Patty. What do you got? Thumbs up. Uh, exhibition games in Aguasazne and Onondaga. Uh, mm-hmm. That is awesome. We saw the games up in Aguasazne um, at the Turtle Dome. Amazing crowds, like amazing crowds. It sounds like the nightcap on Saturday was a was a sellout, standing room only. Um, even that Sunday morning game, it's, uh, you know, I was listening to the radio broadcast, which was awesome that they did as well. Um, they said that they were at, you know, close to like a thousand fans. They thought for a more like a 10 o'clock morning game. Um, and then we're going to see some exhibition games this weekend um, and on a dog. So very cool that the league is giving this opportunity to young indigenous players to see other indigenous players play at that high level. And uh, I was reading one of the articles on, on NLL.com and, you know, Warren Hill and Austin Stotts and, and I believe Randy Stotts even mentioned it too. It just gives these guys, these kids an opportunity to be like that, that can be me. Yeah. I can do this one day um, and gives them hope. But it also, you know, there was a charity aspect to it as well. And it was just, it's nice to see the NLL recognize the roots 
and go back to where the game was created um, and celebrate the roots of the game with these exhibition games. I, I don't know if it would ever happen, but kind of cool to see maybe like a regular season game, like a one-off uh, yeah. at, at these buildings. I think that would kind of be cool. Yeah, I could definitely see that uh, a Noah Lagoa arena. I don't know. It fits maybe 700, maybe a thousand people at most, but what an atmosphere that would be inside there. Um, it is such an incredible historic arena, the turtle dome. Uh, it would be awesome to see. Um, it would be very cool to see a game uh, in Onondaga at that incredible field house that they've built down there. So um, I know the National Crossing is trying to do a lot more of these things to connect with the Indigenous people and our Indigenous roots. And this has just been kind of one, one avenue to do that, which kind of leads me to my thumbs down um, because they have all these great facilities out east. Um, at the track and Onondaga and Aguasasne. There's not a single multi-team camp happening out West. And I'm just going to say it. It pisses me off. I want to watch some lacrosse. This is not fair. I'm stuck here on an Island. Everyone's having fun watching all this lacrosse out in Ontario. And they got nothing out here. What, why do you guys hate us so much? Uh, well, I, don't, I don't get it. In years past, we've had San Diego, Colorado, Calgary, Vancouver, all four of those teams come out here, multi-game sets, multi-practices, tons of people to interact and talk to. This year, nothing. I know there was the world, what, U18 hockey championships going on. Um, so a lot of the LEC was booked up. But man, that field house just sitting there with a turf field and four locker rooms and some seating would have been a great place for a lot of these teams to come up west and have a camp. But no, they don't want it. They didn't want it. I'm a little upset about it. And I understand why you're upset about it. I wouldn't be surprised if there's others that feel your sentiment, but I'm going to take it from another perspective and not just the fan. But if you're Vancouver, you're not concerned that you didn't get one like actual. I know they did mm -hmm. some scrimmages against their own players, but you didn't get any other game. Yeah, you I didn't see Brad another color. Like, I I don't know, man. Like, and I get it. This is a hungry team. This is a team that you know brings in a new coach, has this you know quote unquote new culture brewing in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. Mitch Jones is back. But it's di it's just different when you see a different color out there, when you're mm, 100%. when you're when you're bat and and for those fringe guys to battle like to go you know balls to the wall against another team fight for your spot or fight for your spot in the depth chart move up, but when you're just playing scrimmages against your own team, of course there there's going to be guys that don't care, but again like there's also going to be other guys who have a spot that might not be going quite as hard. Yeah, But when you're seeing another team, you're playing another team, you're going to go just as hard as you do for a regular season game. Yeah. And like I said, Brad and I talked about this the other night when we got together just to have some drinks and, and shoot the shit and just kind of catch up and get ready for game one. And it it, it, it has to be concerning because there it's a completely different animal playing against another team, whether it's preseason, whether it's championship, whether it's middle of the year. 
you just have a different MO going into those games. And how do you know where a guy stands when it's not against other competition? And maybe this is Troy Cordingley's way. Maybe Cords isn't uh, an exhibition guy. Maybe this is part of the, the new change of that regime. But I just don't see how it can benefit you to not have any preseason or exhibition games against anybody. And I don't know. I I, I don't want to say I think it's going to be a detriment to, to this Vancouver club. Maybe they come into that game one incredibly fresh because they haven't gotten the crap beat out of them for three weeks playing a bunch of these other teams. And, you know, maybe they're going into, the, into that opening week and say, hey, no one's got film on us. Oh, there's not a lot of film on anybody right now, but maybe they're going in and say, no one's seen our power play. No one's seen our breakout or short man. And so maybe we can catch Toronto by surprise on opening guaranteed win night. Bless you. Thank you. So, yeah. That's- I don't know. It's, it's, it's a very strange um, MO and yeah. I'm interested to see how it plays out for them. I mean, hey, maybe maybe it works out. Maybe they keep everything close to their chest. No one knows some of their diamonds in the rough. Their their guys are fresh, like you said, and they're ready to go. Maybe maybe that's it. But to me, it just uh, that was the first thing when I saw the schedule released. I was like, Vancouver's just not not playing. And then hearing some of the logistic things, I don't know. I just you would have thought maybe there would have been an opportunity for one of the other teams to come out for a weekend and and get some action and but again it is it is what it is and yeah obviously i'm never going to question troy accordingly if this is in fact was his decision or if it was just the fact that we're not going out east if no one wants to come to us then unfortunately we can't do it so i'm is it hoping because you're scared of troy <laughs> is it because a little bit yes of course <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm, int- I'm just I'm just interested to see how that whole culture change works for them. And talking to some of the guys on that roster and in that organization, they felt that it, it's been needed, and it, it's been something that they've kind of been pining for. And it, it, I think it's going to do a lot of good for them. Hopefully, Troy's ways don't kind of get tiresome on that group. You know, they and hopefully they don't start tuning them out if things don't go right in those first few weeks. But they've got a great chance early on to really do some damage. They got, you know, the the rock in week one, uh, the following week, uh, they've got the roughnecks. So two road games to start um, and two big contests against teams with championship aspirations, just like the Warriors do. So it'll be very interesting to see how this team comes hot out of the gate. Um, Opening weekend, you will be in Halifax as Alex Pace makes his return. Whoa, 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 what? I didn't get to do my thumbs down. Oh, I I was just going on a tangent. I wasn't really going anywhere else. I was going to Okay, okay. I was just going to say, week one, you're in Halifax. Alex Pace returns to The Rock. I'll be in Hamilton for The Rock, taking on the Warriors. Both those games on TSN. We'll get to that. Pat, what's your thumbs down? Now that I've made it such a big deal, it's everything. <laughs> really? Like you were that eager to do this? Uh, Danny Logan placed on the pup. Yeah. Hopefully this is just a short-term thing because when I heard that he was going to be partaking in training camp and he was committed to playing this team, 
I was like frothing at the mouth. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just so excited to see a special talent like Danny Logan. Um, And I think we're going to see more and more of these specialized players from the field across game come into box across because, you know, you, you hear about these or see the supremely talented players like the Tom Schreibers or the face-off specialists like the Trevor Baptiste. But now when you think about it, you see some of these short stick D middies coming in the league. Like why were we not doing this earlier? Look at Ryan Tarafanko, like what he was able to do. Yeah. A little bit of a slow start, but just the fact that they're able to go one-on-one with some of these unbelievable midfielders in such a large surface Mm -hmm. if they can pick up the two-man game you know one-on-one they're going to be fine and Danny Logan is exactly the type of defender that can jump into the box right away he'll be good one-on-one he'll be able to pick up loose balls push in transition but it's the other aspects of the game is he going to be able to pick it up he's such a smart player I think he's going to I just hope this this pup list thing isn't either a workaround or a, a matter of fact that, you know, he's going to be out for a long time and we might not see him at all. Yeah, man. Like I, I remember when they drafted him uh, that, that season, I kind of worked a few months with the seals and just was super impressed with the young man's tenure and, and his attitude and his excitement to get to the seals and play in the NLL. So we'll just have to wait and see, but like you said, hopefully that's just a bit of a workaround. He has some things going on. Um, but until then, we will just have to kind of wait and see. Uh, week one in the National Lacrosse League, um, pretty much every team is in action. Unfortunately, it's not going to be the Las Vegas Desert Dogs. But they will get into the swing of things. And one of the players that will be doing that is Marshall King. Good Island boy. Good Victoria boy. Marsh, how are you, man? Awesome. I'm excited. Thanks for having me on. Uh, that's quite the helmet and duster you've got going on. Uh, you are at work right now on a Wednesday. Um, what are you doing? I'm doing tree work with uh, Cullen Tree Services. You know the Cullen boys. Oh, yeah. Well. yeah. I'm up in, uh, I'm just on waterfront in Shawnigan Lake taking some trees down. So are just you a an casual Wednesday? Uh Yeah, something like that. <laughs> uh, jack of all trades i i don't go up the trees but i do pretty much everything else to make their lives easier so kind of started as a summer gig hanging out with them just because uh i stopped working when obviously when emily was going through her treatment and stuff like that and then when i started going back to work they asked me to come out and i ended up sticking around a little longer than i expected but got no complaints so it's going good so far yeah i'm pretty sure sean williams is happy you're not climbing trees yeah uh, yeah exactly from the start of the year Um, you 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 mentioned emily um you're with a new team in las vegas but you also finally got that new ring that you've been wanting for uh congratulations on proposing to Emily in Paris at the Eiffel Tower. Like, you're making all of us guys look bad. Um, how was that moment for you? Yeah, it was unreal. It's funny you say that because I, I got a hard time from all my uh, – couple of Emily's friends all have boyfriends who are all pretty close guys to me, and they're pretty pissed off that I set the bar <laughs> a little too high. <laughs> but, no, it was, uh, it was a long time coming. I mean, Emily and I have been together for – 10 years now so she's she's always been the one i've known for a long time that she's the one and 
we just happened to be planning a trip to Europe that we wanted to do when I was getting back from college, but COVID kind of put a fork in that. So it was nice that we finally got to the trip and I just kind of figured, you know, if I'm going to be in Paris, why not make it, why not take advantage of that opportunity? So it was cool that I got to do that. And yeah, it was a moment that I'll never forget. How is Emily doing? She's doing good. Um, so she did, uh, chemotherapy treatment, which was the treatment that I stepped away from NLL for last year. It's pretty intensive chemo. And it was basically her cancer is deemed incurable. So it's basically the nodules in her lungs weren't considered to be able to shrink from whatever treatment she did, but the treatment that she did ended up shrinking the nodules so it was considered medically impossible but it happened and they don't know why it happened but we're obviously over the moon about it so she was supposed to be starting treatment again this past september and they basically said to her you know we see no reason for you to do treatment because even though she stopped chemo earlier in the summer it could still be actively shrinking the nodules in her lungs so They'll give her another three-month break from September. So in the new year, they'll do more follow-up scans, see how things are going, and, you know, go from there. But for right now, she's she's out of sight, out of mind. You know, I have all the respect in the world for her because it, she doesn't let it stop her from living her life. And, you know, it inspires me every single day to, you know, take advantage of every opportunity I have. And, yeah, I'm just – I'm really lucky to have her in my life. So I'm happy for her, and I love her to death, and I can't wait to see what else she can do. That's that's um, amazing to hear. And I'm sure she gave you the full vote of confidence to get back out on the floor as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think she was definitely in the same mindset as I was when I ended up getting the opportunity to go to Vegas because – I know that I kind of, I didn't really get, a, I, I definitely got a fair shot. I got plenty of opportunities in Calgary, but I never really found my feet there. So I think both of us were on the same page that Vegas is kind of a, a new second chance for me. So I'm ready to take advantage of it. How, how have the early days with Vegas been? They've been awesome. Um, it's it's really cool. It's obviously my first uh, time being a part of an expansion team, so it's a little bit different when you're thrown into a locker room and we don't have we don't have an identity. We don't have like an established characteristic of our team. So it's really cool that we kind of get to build it all from the ground up, and especially with a guy like Willie at the helm, you can just see it in his eyes every time we come in to like dap each other up at the end of practice or coming in to end things at the end of the day every single time we stop anything he just stops and he looks around and he's got the biggest smile on his face <laughs> and he's just expressing his happiness and its excitement and you know it's contagious it puts it it puts the same mindset into all of us that you know we're all here for the same reason we all want to make a big splash because we know like what expansion teams the expectation is that the expansion teams come in and they usually struggle to start. But even Panther City last year, we saw them open a lot of eyes and we're hoping to do the same thing. You had a big summer this last year, 75 points with the Shamrocks. How much did that help you with confidence knowing that, you know, if you're given an opportunity here in Vegas, you're going to be able to step in and shine? Yeah, it helped me a lot, and I, I think confidence is really the key there. I think that was something that I kind of lacked in Calgary, and when I was stepping into the lineup, I wasn't really playing the way that I knew that I can, and going into this summer, I knew that 
looking at our lineup and the guys we had on our team, I knew that there was an opportunity for me to step into a bigger role. And Simmer, our head coach in Victoria, kind of set the standard for me in our training camp this summer saying, you know, this is an offense that you're going to be a big contributor in. I want to see you shooting the ball. I want to see you taking over games. So having that belief in me, I think, really helped my confidence a lot. And it helped me realize that I can still play with the best of the players. And Because, you know, obviously many NOL players are playing in the summer. So it gives me hope that I can transition from summer ball into NOL and have the same impact. You talked about going into that locker room and not seeing a lot of familiar faces and not having a culture. It does help to have a few familiar faces. Uh, Jake Ruiz there, obviously, on that right side with you. You guys created a great duo. Um, Rob Hellier's there. You saw him play in Victoria that one summer, your last year junior. So how does that help the transition where there are some familiarities in that room? Yeah, it helps me a lot. Um Obviously, it was tough to see Jackson Nishimura go in the trade mm-hmm. for Rooster, but I did know that having Rooster on the same team as me after playing with him this summer, like I, I was talking to him from the get-go as soon as he got traded about how excited we were to play with each other because this summer I can confidently say he's one of like the favorite players that I've played alongside, especially being the same hand. You know, it's it's really nice having the chemistry with him. We already have the groundwork done, so we don't have to start from ground zero. And Rob is one of the easiest guys that I've been able to play with because he can create so much for himself. I really just felt like the first couple of weeks with him, I really just have to let him do his thing and just find my find my little slots in the area because we all know how dominant he is with the ball and it benefits me because I just kind of have to mirror him, let him do his thing and let the defense put all their attention on him and I can just find my slots. Uh, we were just talking about possible landing spots for Dutchie um, and we mentioned that you know Vegas is really hoping that Jack Hanna can kind of break out um, a guy that hasn't played a lot of box across. Um, what are your impressions of Jack Hanna in your first few weeks? My impressions of Jack Hanna is that he is going to open a lot of eyes this year. And I think he's going to surprise a lot of people because I'll tell you right now, he is not your typical American field player who has a tough time transitioning to the box game. He is somebody who has... For the size that he is, the athleticism that he possesses, he has one of the quickest first steps I've ever seen, and I'm excited to see what he can do, and I'm excited to play with him because, like I said, it it took it took me off guard for how good he was making the switch to box. And, yeah, like I said, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's up there for Rookie of the Year candidates because he, he was really making his mark in the first couple of weeks of training camp. Impressive considering all the great rookies that are coming in this year. And usually with these expansion teams, you need guys like Jack Hanna or you need some of these diamond in the roughs to, to work out, to, to have those higher expectations in your first year. Is there maybe another guy on the back end that you had not really much idea about, but has really done a great job here in camp so far? Uh, to be honest with you, I don't know if there's a single guy, but I think that our defense is going to be a very well-rounded group. I think we have some some really good leadership in guys like Tor Reinholdt, Travis Cornwall, guys who have been in the league for a good amount of time. And also we have Sato running the defensive end. So I, I'm not going to pick out anybody individually, but I think our defense as a group um, – we obviously had our two scrimmages the first weekend against uh, Halifax and San Diego, but we were carrying, I think we had 
38 players or so in our first weekend. So it's kind of wishy-washy and guys playing one half, guys playing like two or three quarters. But this last weekend against Colorado, it was more of a set lineup of what we're going to be looking at going into the regular season. And it, it, it was inspiring to see them really turn around and really stand their ground. So I'm excited to see what they can do on the back end. What was it like having fans around your practices? You know, obviously we did the exhibition game in Vegas a few years ago, but you're now Vegas's team. And yeah, was- they, they, they've got to, you know, get to know you guys. And you guys had, you know, a little meet and greet and they were out at your morning practice and stuff like that. What's been the, the approval rating from fans? Yeah, it was, it was a really cool experience. We kind of did, uh, obviously we had the scrimmage against um, Colorado, but earlier that morning we did kind of like a open practice for season ticket holders. And we did a little like inner squad scrimmage for 20 minutes or so. And then we did uh, autographs and signing after that. And it was an enormous lineup. I think we were signing autographs for about an hour after a practice and Mm -hmm. pretty much every single person that was coming down there was telling us about how excited they are to finally have a lacrosse team in las vegas and how long they've been waiting and how they've been cheering for teams like san diego or other teams have been in close states in the past that unfortunately had to relocate or fold so I think the fan excitement level is definitely there. And one of the other big things is a lot of them are coming out with their kids and they're talking about how good this is going to be for developing youth lacrosse programs and stuff like that. And it's just stuff you love to hear because as a league, we're obviously working on the growth of our sport and that doesn't come without the growth of youth sport. So it's awesome to see that it's all coming together in the same city. Um, just a couple more for you. Um, you mentioned in, when you're in Calgary, you didn't, you know, quote, you didn't get the fairest of shakes, but you got your opportunities. Um, but you're also playing, you know, under the shadow of big brother, Jesse. And and I know what that's like to have your brother there playing alongside you. And there's always expectations and things like that. Do you feel that now you're kind of away from Jesse out of his shadow kind of frees you up a bit? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Don't get me wrong. I love playing with my brother. We obviously had an awesome summer together this year, but I think it, uh, I think when the opportunity for me to go to Vegas came, we kind of had a, I had a conversation with Jesse about it and we both knew that it was an opportunity that I would be stupid to pass up on because not going to lie, Calgary's kind of his team with the way that the off season has gone. I know the role that he's going to be stepping into there. And I think it's, I think it's a good idea for me to kind of find my own path. He, it was, it was great as a rookie coming into this league to kind of come in under his wing and let him show me the way of how to, how to be a pro and how the league works and all that kind of stuff. But I think it was definitely the right move for me to kind of start my own path and write my own story. Uh, Last one for me. Did anyone, um, get a case of the Vegas flu and miss any priorities and obligations <laughs> so far this training camp? I don't think so. I think we were pretty good. I think all the guys are pretty well behaved, you know, with there's obviously a lot of fun things to do in Vegas, but at the same time, we, we know how important these first couple of weeks are for us, especially because a lot of these other teams already have the chemistry and the building blocks already there. So we know that our time is limited before December 9th happens. So we got to take every, we got to take advantage of every opportunity we have to play together or else we're not going to be ready for that first day. So we know how important it is. Friday, December 9th, first game in a desert dogs uniform. Um, need to say you're excited. 
unbelievably i can't wait i'm just excited to get back after especially after the way that summer ball went you know you just it's obviously nice to have a break after summer ball ends and kind of get to relax and step away from the sport but once you start getting into training camp you just you're just itching at the opportunity to go against another jersey and i can't wait well, we'll let you uh, get back uh, to supervising the Cullens. Stay feet on the ground, my man. And uh, appreciate the time. Say hi to Emily for us. And uh, best of luck with Vegas this year, man. Appreciate you. Awesome, guys. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon. So there he is. That's Marshall King. Um, as, as a younger brother, Patty, you know the the older brother syndrome and the shadow and things like that. It, it's kind of nice to hear him kind of respect the fact that it is Jesse's team in Calgary and, and how they had that conversation about how good it would be for Marshall's career. Yeah. I think it, that's just a, the type of character that, that the Kings are right. They obviously have a ton of respect for each other. And I think most brothers would just be like, nah, screw it. Let's play together. Like, it's awesome. We get to be on the same team. Family gets to see us. But um, for Jesse to realize like, Hey, this is actually an, unbelievable opportunity you should go and for him to realize you know what this this is jesse's team like Mm -hmm. this is his squad this is an opportunity to me to kind of go make my own mark um that's awesome to hear that's awesome here because i think a lot of people kind of get lost in the the allure and the thought to play with you know their brother and uh, it, it is it is really awesome to see that that's the way that they thought of things so Marshall King uh, and the Dogs will have another camp this weekend. They get opening weekend off, which is kind of a little unfortunate. We would love to have seen them make it going, but they'll play their first game against Panther City, and they'll have to wait a couple weeks before they debut at MGM. Was it Michelob Ultra Arena yes. down there at MGM? Um, so we'll have to wait for a first debut of true lacrosse in vegas but that means you still have time to get your preseason bets in it's time for patty to take over time now for box bets your source for all the lines odds and props from across the world of lacrosse brought to you by coolbet.com stay cool bet responsibly (laughs) hey we're having a good day lads and uh, we're still in the mix baby (laughs) hi patty box bets time um cool bet has just hit the ground running before the season even starts uh preseason favorites there's a ton of player prop bets out there already uh where should we start let's start with the big one let's let's go over the odds to win the nll cup and no surprises here i don't think with the favorites the team that won the offseason in san diego they are plus 600 toronto next at plus 700 the buffalo bandits just short behind alongside the defending champions the colorado mammoth at plus 750 and then you have halifax and saskatchewan both sitting at plus 900 the new york riptide making some waves here and 12 to 1 uh, to win the nll cup the georgia swarm at 14 to 1 alongside also the Philadelphia Wings at 14 to 1, Panther City plus 1500, Albany at plus 2000, Calgary plus 2000, Vancouver 25 to 1, the Vegas Desert Dogs 
at 30 to one. And the poor Rochester Nighthawks getting oh. absolutely thrown under the bus here at 75 to one wow. to win the NLL Cup. I'm shocked by that. $10 wins you $750 for <laughs> Rochester to win. Um, instant reaction there. Obviously, I know you said that surprised me. What was the biggest shock, I think, with those initial odds that were posted for you? Um, I think Georgia's a little high for me. Yep. I think Calgary's a little low for me. I yep. still think they have what it takes to, to compete. I really believe that, you know, everyone sees the move San Diego made and obviously their offense is going to be lights out, but Frankie's still, you know, I hate to say it. Frankie's still Frankie and really unable to get a team over the finish line. So to see them as the number one dogs, I get it. I just don't think they're that high. Um, I, I love Toronto being up there. I think they're definitely going to compete Buffalo and Colorado coming out next. Um, I would flip-flop Calgary and Sask. If that was me, I would drop Georgia. I'd probably bump Albany a little higher. Um, I would definitely bump Rochester a little higher. I think every team could probably bump a little higher, but that, that Georgia one really stuck out to me that they were so high. Yeah, I tend to think so too. I think that's the Lyle factor, to be quite yeah. honest. Um, and we know their offense should be pretty pretty solid. I I do like their defense a lot as well. I just don't know if they quite have the depth scoring to be a well, championship. They don't have the goaltending, proven goaltending yet either, right? Well, that was the my next point is Craig Wendy's going to start. He's never been a proven starter. Mm-hmm. I know you have Dobson in the in the helm, but how many times have we seen a young kid in their first year be able to take over a cage in the NL? Rarely, if right? ever. Right? It usually takes them at least one, two, three, sometimes yeah. four years. Yeah. Don't know if it's going to take Dobson that long, but – for him to come in right away and and turn this team to a championship contending team, I don't see it. I will say, and again, we'll I won't go too much into a deep dive here, but you do that in your box bets articles. Exactly. You can check that. that at lacrosse flash. But I will say, and I'm not saying I, this is my pick, but I will say this. If you believe either Toronto or Buffalo are going to win an NL championship. I'd bet it right now because I don't think you're going to see these odds much worse. Mm, I think both teams are poised to start strong. Mm. Sure. Maybe one of these teams come out slow. I, I just don't see it. Buffalo hasn't, especially Buffalo. Let's stick with Buffalo. If you think Buffalo was going to win. Yeah. I don't think you're going to get them better at 750 at any point. No, I think you're, yeah, last year I think winning that gets lower and lower and lower. Right, exactly. And for me, I don't know if I would be just because this this is a team that hasn't been able to get over that hump. But if it's not this year, it's probably never because they're going to blow this not blow it up, but they're going to make some drastic change, and maybe the team will get will get it done. But I should say this this core group, um, especially on the offensive front. If it doesn't get done this year, I think we see some sort of drastic change. Uh, I don't want to, you know, ruin our NLL preview show that we did with DK. Um, that'll be going out 
next Thursday or this Thursday. Um, but there's a spicy, I give a pretty good hot take in there. And I think that if Buffalo does win, I think we do see a bit of a change within that organization from not say top to bottom, but there are, there are some pieces within that organization that probably will take that championship and call it a career. Let's just say that. That's totally, totally, totally fair. And we won't spoil anything else. Teddy, is there, is there any other problem? Should we, should we maybe dive into some of the, the, the player problem? Well, just to let folks know what you can bet on at cool bet right now. You can also bet on to clinch the East conference title, the West conference title. There's also to make or miss the playoffs odds for that odds to reach the NLL cup finals. And then of course there is also player points and player goal props. Can I get New York to the Eastern final? Can I get that as a bet? You 1000% can get that. And that will be plus 550. Love it. I think that's my value right now. Getting New York to that Eastern final plus 550. Don't hate it at all. Wow. Wow. Okay. All right. Oh, Eastern final. My apologies. We do not have those up yet. I thought you said NLL finals Eastern final. Let's see if we get that up for, for next week on the pod. Let's see, see if we could do that. I like that. But I would say then you're probably looking at like plus 350 maybe, which is still really good value. Yeah, That's absolutely. Really, really good value. Uh, yeah. Um, play, I, I player haven't, props? Player props? No, I, haven't, any? I need you to go over the player props. I'm, I'm locked out of cool bet right now. I have to talk with a regional manager. Okay. All right. We'll see what we can get, we can get done there. So looking at some of these player props, so basically, again, if you're new to betting uh, player props for seasons, um, there's totals. You, you got your over, you've got your under. For example, Adam Charlambides, total goals in the regular season, 13 and a half. You can either bet over or under. And See, that's a tough maybe, one right off the gate. That's a tough that, one. That's a tough one to you? I think that's I think that's a, a an easy over for me. I really think Charlambides has an opportunity here to really light the lamp. I do too. But I want to see. I, I want to take that over. I'm just a little weird. I'm a little leery. I'm a little leery on that one. That's that's totally fine. That's why these are odds are made to be tricky. It's not supposed <laughs> to be easy. This is the odd maker's job. They have to make it a little tricky, or everyone would be making money. But there are some. Just I'll point out a, a couple that I really like um, in, in points, at least. Uh, Connor Robinson over 65 and a half points. I love that. Um, he had 71 last year, 42 tucks last year. Um, there's going to be an emphasis on that left side with Ryan Lee being out to start mm-hmm. the year. Um, there's no reason to believe, you know, that he's going to show any signs of, of slowing down or maybe last year was a fluke. Like he had 45 points. Um, in 11 regular season games last year in the summer and had 29 points in seven man cup games. Like, yeah, he's on a bit of a heater. This guy is, is really starting to get confident, really starting to feel himself. Uh, Hayden Dixon, another one I like over 40 and a half points. I know you have pace. Uh, I know you also, 
um, have Waters in the mix. You have Hickey there. But I do believe that uh, that Dixon kind of showed one in the summer, had a really strong summer last uh, this past, past year. I think it was a nice 69 uh, points yeah, and nice. 40, go- 40 goals. But for me, he's obviously not Curtis Dixon, but he's a type of player that's going to score – similar goals that Dixon scored. Like he's a guy that's going to take a defender to the net. He's going to drive yeah. to the net um, where, where waters is a big banger. He's a crasher. Um, he's going to take some shots from the outside. Hickey, Hickey's going to blast some shots from the outside. I know pace is dynamic as well, uh, but Dixon just has the ability to create things on his own, create his own shot or create space. Um, and for me, um, him going cross floor to, to, to King, who I think is going to have a, a monster monster season. Mm-hmm. Um, that's some value there. Another one I wanted to go over with you and I can kind of run this down. And as we talked about Challen Rogers playing yeah. O this year. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to go over his totals to see if you think they're too high, too low or just right. See, I was gonna yeah, say, do the odds makers know that he's playing straight front door? Oh, oh, oh they do because <laughs> if they weren't, I'd be hammering these overs. <laughs> Challen Rogers for his goal total 33 and a half. Huh. And for his points, 70 and a half. Man. So it sounds like the odds makers think that Challen Rogers is going to transition, no pun intended quite well to the offensive side of the ball 70 points is a lot am i gonna hit the under probably not but i will just say that is a lot of points for a player that's playing his first season out the odor in quite some time okay so what was his goal 33 33 and a half and his points were 70 and a half okay well last year in a quote-unquote transition role he had 21 goals. So that's 13 more goals that he would need playing straight out the front door and 30 ish, roughly 30 points on top of that. I, I think don't think that playing straight offense for him will create, well, okay. It will obviously give him more opportunities because he's out the front door. But I truly believe his true strength comes in transition. He may get more power point points this year. I just don't know how much more damage he does as just a true offensive player because look at how many goals he got just running down the floor, using his speed, using his athletic ability. So I'm going to take the under on the goals and the under on the points. So I will flip-flop. I know I said I wouldn't take, but let's say for argument's sake, this is not an official play. This will not be showing Correct. up on my blog or anything. I would lean under for the goals, and I think I would lead lean, sorry, lean under for the points, but yeah. take the over for the goals because mm-hmm. you did mention twenty one last year. Keep in mind there was a stretch about halfway through the season where he was essentially just playing offense mm-hmm. when either Dawson or Schreiber were out. But now when I say Schreiber, now I'm thinking, shit, he's <laughs> going to get so many assists playing with Schreiber. Yeah. All he's got to do is just literally pass the ball, and there's a good chance. Schreiber, I don't know, man. This Again, this is why the odds makers are so good 
you know, at their job building some of these odds. Um, and you can check them all at cool bet right now. There's specials, all, all the odds. And then of course, probably early next week, mid next week, we're going to have game odds and we're going to have props and we're going to have things to bet on individually for the games. And you know what else we're going to have, Teddy? Tell me. We're going to have our parlay back. Yeah, we are. We're going to have our parlay back and we'll have that next week ready for you for the episode. You'll be able to bet on that. We will put something together for opening weekend of the NLL. Can't believe we're going to be able to talk, bet, Mm. watch, Real and all games in in a week and a little bit here, Teddy. That's hey, is incredible. it possible to find one of those Oz makers and get a chat with them on here to see how they do things? Is that something that can be done? I certainly know a guy, so I think I could ask for sure. Cool. That'd be kind of I, I just that would be kind of an interesting conversation to you know because when when we heard that betting in the NLL were kind of for lack of a better term get it going into bed together. Um, we often wondered who were going to be the odds makers. Do they know anything about lacrosse? Do they know anything about these players to make these odds? And for the first few years, I got to say, they've been pretty spot on. Yeah. There's been the odd one that's, you know, we're kind of like, eh, I don't know about that one, but for the most part, the, whether it be a spread, whether it be uh, over under, whether it be straight odds, they've done a very accurate portrayal of getting these odds out. So it's been quite impressive. So I would kind of like to have that conversation with some of these people just to, to figure out how they go out about the math. I don't know if he's going to give you, or, you know, our team's going to give you the, the tricks of the trade, but I certainly think it would be a great conversation to have and kind of give the insight on, on how this works, because again, it is a lot of computers. It's a lot of, um, math but there is a human element that goes into it as well because mm. you and i know these games aren't won and lost on spreadsheets they certainly help certainly help um you know we've had great conversations with cooper perkins and with our boy adam mm-hmm. they love their stats they love their fancy stats but that only is a tool, right? At the end yeah. of the day, there's so much that goes into the game, uh, especially, a, you know, a physical game like the game of lacrosse, um, momentum swings, all that stuff. And you can't find those things on a spreadsheet. But when creating odds, when coaching, when scouting, um, analytics and some of these fancy stats certainly uh, can help you decide the difference between a player or uh, which team should be ranked higher in your odds. Yeah. Um, don't forget the promo code, Patty. O-T-C-B. Click the green deposit button, type that in. Whether you deposit 10, whether you deposit 200, will be matched up 100%. Your first bonus, though, and you have to put in that code, O-T-C-B. All right, let's, uh, that's a fantastic breakdown. And like I said, we'll get heavy into it next week with our first parlay, and we will try and do everything we can to get you some spending cash over the weekends. Now, we talked about where Reese Dutch might land, but there are some fresh faces that have already landed. You mentioned Randy Stotts in Halifax. Uh, Corey Small is in Toronto. Joey Rez is in Philadelphia. Curtis Dixon and Kevin Crowley in San Diego, and of course, John Evans 
in Vancouver. Those aren't all of the pieces that have moved around, but for the most part, the biggest pieces that moved in the offseason. So which one of those guys, Patty, has the bigger impact to help their team this year? Oh, man, this is tough because I think the biggest impact will be the big cat and Superman, but that's mm-hmm. two guys together. So I think if you, I think to truly get a proper represent representation is which single player will have the greatest effect. Mm-hmm. San Diego also already had a bunch of great players on, on that team anyways. Mm-hmm. Small, I think, you could make an argument because he's finally that true outside lefty threat that they've been waiting for since Jones. I think Evie from a culture, from a leadership, from a veteran standpoint, that helps Joe Rez being an MVP candidate on a team that, you know, at some points looked inept offensively is great, but I lean towards Randy Stotts. Homer, sorry. Is it a homer? Is it a homer? Maybe. Didn't mean to say that out loud. But (laughs) I truly believe that, you know, last year we saw, you know, their their offense looked brilliant at some points, but as we got down the stretch, their power play was abysmal. It was abysmal all year, Pat. Near the end of the year, it was like they started, they might as well have just, you know, not even accepted. Yeah, it, it was... It was tough to watch and it's yeah. it didn't make sense to me because how many great players they had. But I think the the issue with the team last year, or one of the issues offensively, they had a lot of the same. Yeah, especially on that right side. You could throw a different jersey on Bushi, Peterson, and Stotts or, or and Shanks some nights, throw a different jersey on them or throw them the same jersey. Sometimes you wouldn't even be able to tell the difference. They have very similar games. Um, they all have the capability to have big nights. Um, they can do a lot of the same bringing a guy like stats. He is a, an elite elite. And I'm not saying those guys aren't, but he is on that next level. Mm -hmm. Um, He has the capabilities to be an MVP. And I think last year they struggled to have one guy take over. Some nights it would be Clark. Some nights it would be Shank. Some nights it would be Cody Jameson, but they didn't have a guy that every single night, could change the game. Just mm-hmm. some nights it wasn't there. What Stotts will be able to do is he is going to be able to take over games night in and night out. He can he can feed, he can score, and he's a vocal presence in that locker room and on the bench. I think he's going to have the biggest impact. But again, all those guys certainly mm-hmm. will change the way their offense is going to look. Yeah, it's, the thing with, with Halifax last year that just stood out to me was, and you kind of mentioned it, they had so many bodies and they wanted to keep everybody happy that they were rotating guys and they never really had the same seven forwards week to week to week to week to get that chemistry, to get that rhythm, to get the power play, just snapping the ball back and forth. Because when you're putting guys in and out and you're taking guys in and out, it disrupts that. And so if they can get a consistent Stotts, Shanks, Peterson, Bushi, I think that's a very positive thing for them. If they can get, Jammer and Benny and whoever that third lefty is until Fennell gets back, you know, it, it's, it's going to be tough. But once they're a cohesive unit, I think they'll be fine. And I think you're right. Bringing stats in just kind of settles things down. 
Um, I, I think Corey Small, with the way that Dan Craig took off and the way that Zach Manns is progressing, I think having Corey Small there just gives him an extra weapon. And I don't think Smallsy's going to have to be as productive as he needs to be or maybe thinks he needs to be. I still think he's going to put up 65, 70 points this year. Um, but he's going to be a big addition to that group. And we've often said they need lefties. They need lefties. Well, now they got three pretty damn good lefties on that side. So I think that's a great fit. Joey Rez with Matisse and McIntosh, and Sam Le- and LeClaire, you know, he's going to get 75, 85 points. I don't think he's a 100-point guy in Philadelphia. He may be, but I don't think he's going to be a 100-point guy. Evie, the culture, absolutely. Once he's healthy, I think he can really help that team. But you mentioned it, man. Superman and the Big Cat in San Diego, they have familiarity with each other. They played some junior lacrosse together. Uh, They are going to be dynamic. And when you add them to Westberg and Trey LeClaire, and then you add in the lefties in that group, that is going to be one scary-ass offense. Yes, there's only one ball. But those guys probably won't care if it means they're all getting to a title. Kevin Crowley's never been there. He's never been to a championship game. He doesn't have even have a lot of playoff success with the Philadelphia Wings. So I think he sees the big picture. And I think those two guys are just going to be an absolute force. Uh, and if you watch some of the videos of social media that the Seals are putting out, those two guys are already clicking and having a lot of fun uh, down in the sunshine of San Diego. Um, did you see Dane Doby got a soother in the mail? That was an all-time, <laughs> all-time troll job. All-time. Couldn't believe it. So if you didn't see it, um, on Dane Doby's uh, Twitter feed, you can, or Instagram feed, you can find it. The Seals posted it as well. Um, a unnamed fan in Victoria sent Dane Doby a soother and basically said, here, you can use this when little baby gets tired and starts to whine, paraphrasing. Um, P.S. You're not a ref. And he went to social media and said that he absolutely loved playing in Victoria and the fans are what makes it so great. Uh, And it was just a pretty cool slash fun little troll job uh, that he got in the mail. But those are kind of those are fun things and great little stories. And just what, like you said, what an absolute troll job that was. I honestly, I couldn't I I couldn't believe it when I saw it. It's like just. (laughs) Just incredible. Just absolutely incredible. Uh, I don't even know how you think of to do that, but man, lacrosse fans, you are a passionate and funny bunch of individuals. Um, any other final thoughts as we uh, get set to wrap up our first show in a few months, Pat? I, I, my final thoughts is I'm I'm just so excited. This this game, this league is back. The pod's back. We're back. We're we're going to be broadcasting games. It's exciting. And it, it kind of creeped up. I don't know. Like, I don't remember training camp feeling this short. Sometimes it felt like, okay, let's get this. Okay. Like, yeah. It literally feels like guys was guys were reporting to training camp just yesterday. And then now, boom, we've got games next weekend. Um, and we've got a great opening slate, which we'll go through next week, probably in, in mm-hmm. great detail. Mm-hmm. But, you know, start off in Halifax, the wings are in town. You mentioned the homecoming aspect there. You've got guaranteed win night 
in Toronto. <laughs> I love that they did that opening amazing. night against Vancouver. Amazing, amazing. You want to talk about elite troll jobs? Yeah, that's yeah. one there. Um, Firewolves, Bandits the next day, Seals, Riptide, Nighthawks, Swarm, Mammoth, Rush. Kudos to the schedule makers of the NL um, for putting a great opening slate. It does kind of stink that we don't see Panther City or we don't see Vegas make their debut until next week. Mm-hmm. But again, we've got real lacrosse. Let's not let's not start complaining. Yeah, let's not, hey, don't be negative, two, Nancy. Right? Here, okay, pal. Let's, let's keep the vibes positive. Positive vibes only. OTCB is so back. Thanks to Marshall King for joining us. Uh, follow him and the Las Vegas Desert Dogs as they get set for their inaugural season in the National Lacrosse League. Don't forget, promo code OTCB when you head over to the, our friends over at Coolbet Canada. Find Patty on Twitter at pgreggy, the show at OTCB underscore podcast. I am at Teddy Jenner, and we're on Instagram at OTCB podcast. We are one week away from opening weekend. Next week, we will break it all down for you and have another fantastic guest. Thanks for spending your day with us. And until we speak again, stay safe and be excellent to each other.